Welcome to Episode 9 of the Swift Teacher Podcast. One lesson at a time towards... Swift World Domination. Joining us today is David Brown. David is the Education Technology Integrator at St. Mary's Anglican School, located in Karanyup in Perth, Western Australia, and he is passionate about using technology to improve student learning. He has been with St. Mary's since 2015, and his main role is to develop and assist staff in enhancing pedagogical teaching practices with the use of technology. He also teaches digital technology classes, which is where he has been using Xcode and Swift since 2015. Hi, David. Thanks for joining us. Um, nice. <laughs> I'm glad to be here. I'm very excited about being on the show. So we know you're at St. Mary's, which is in Perth, Western Australia. So you're relatively close to Daniel Budd. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, episode two. Tell us about your school and what you teach. Okay. So uh, my school, St. Mary's Anglican Girls School, it's uh, it's about... Uh, well, about five minute walk from the beach. Um, we're in a suburb. I kind of set you up a bit with Karen up, but um, it's one of our unique names in Perth. Um, so we, it's about 30 minutes from Perth. So that's, uh, you know, pretty reasonable. Um, we're a K to 12 school um, and we have about 180 boarders from ages 11 to 18 as well. Um, we're a girls school. I think I said that. Uh, um, and we are BYOD and we started down that journey. That was one of the reasons I was employed in my position. Um, and we have gone with like a recommended device of a MacBook Air. Um, but a lot of our students have various model Macs ranging from um, we have year fives using the new touch um, bar MacBook Pros. Um, and we also have girls that are using Surface tablets. So um, we have a mixed variety of devices um, in that. Um, my teaching capacity, I, um, I teach a subject called mechatronics, um, which kind of got started when I got here as well. Um, we expose the girls to coding and robotics using Arduinos, Raspberry Pis, um, Lego devices, um, we get into 3D printing and you know like that prototyping type stuff. Um, and the classes, you know, like I kind of look at it as that, you know, that, that makerspace idea where we try to experiment and do fun stuff, but also challenge their thinking and try and get them to experience stuff they haven't done before. Um, so that works really, really well. Um, and in my other class, the colleague I work with here, or the head of department, she decided to have a creating apps subject start and, so I got initiated into that, and we do that with our Year 9 and 10 girls, which is about uh, in that 14 to 16 age group. I don't know how that matches up to, like, US schools. Um, and in that, I mean, I, as soon as I knew that I was teaching apps, I thought, well, you know, like, you know, iOS is that is the app platform that um, I think most people are familiar with, you know, along with Android. So I felt like we needed to contribute to both sides. Um, we did look at Android and we still do um, just because there's a few simpler utilities that we tap into to start with. Um, but then definitely we started looking at Xcode and Swift. So that was about 2015 um, was the first time we used that. Um, and then kind of the year 10 class dropped off last year 
just due to uh, numbers, but it's back this year. So I came in with that, with the thought that I wanted to make it iOS exclusive and that's where we've been going. So we started with Learn to Code 1 and 2 in Swift Playgrounds um, using the iPads, which we had enough. I scrounged together four iPad Airs and some minis and they were able to work through some of that and then moved into the um, intro to app development in Swift. And now I'm hoping to get move into the app development with Swift. I've actually got one or two students looking at that now um, as a part of another project. So, yeah, my goal for this year is to get that class so that we hopefully get something on the App Store, um, uh, you know, published. It'll be quite exciting if we do, I think. Yeah, that would be exciting. Boy, you really unpacked a lot of stuff there. So, oh, okay. So, <laughs> that's, a, that's fine. Yeah. So, you, U9, so 14 to 16, that would be like middle school, late middle school yeah. in the US. Yeah. And yeah. Um, when you say uh, started this school year, did you guys, uh, since you're in Australia, did your school year recently start? Yeah, so we start pretty much uh, smack bang at the start of uh, February. So we've been doing that then, um, which, okay. yeah, it's always interesting lining up with like US schools and, um, you know, like the release of some of the Apple stuff, I think kind of works into our favor that, you know, coming out now with, you know, like all the new iOS and things like that, you know, we get time to have a look at it before. You know, I wouldn't be worried about that till 2018 at this stage, but it gives me plenty of headroom to to look into that. It sounds like you have students that are ranging from just starting to code in on the iPad with uh, Swift Playgrounds all the way up to you have students working in Xcode on the Mac. Is that correct? Yeah, because some of the girls in my class um, were in the Year 9 class as well last year. So they've continued on. So I've had the advantage that, you know, they've, I know that last year some of the coding, you know, like we looked at, uh, um, they actually started Learn to Code last year and they've come in and um, like continued that, on, continued that on where at the same time I've also got new students in the class. So I have to cater for, you know, those different, you know, like ranges of abilities. Um, plus we're going through the stage here in Australia of, um, you know, coding becoming, um, I suppose, like a compulsory type thing to teach. And it's 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 basically uh, caused a situation where we're in flux all the time of what level abilities the students are going to be at. Um, the biggest thing that's happening is our junior school is probably teaching their students what our... So our junior school is like our primary school, like our year... Um, uh, you know, very young children um, are doing exactly what, say, our year nine, eights and nines are doing, which are like 12, 13-year-olds are matching up with our seven-year-old sort of thing. It's it's quite um, funny, yeah. Um, so we've got to deal with that. We've got to deal with, you know, like, you know, like teaching different stuff and, and having that different abilities. Well, we, we call that in the U.S. differentiating. Yeah, yeah. What was your journey to teaching computer science and coding? Um. I went to university and I studied a Bachelor of Applied Science in Computer Technology. Um, it was just uh, a unit that one of the universities here, Curtin University, ran. Um, what worked well is it aligned very much with what computer systems engineers were doing. So I actually spent a lot of time, I always say I did a three-year of an engineering degree um, and, and just didn't do the fourth year. Um, 
and basically that course you did lots of interfacing with electronics and computers and you know doing um that sort of stuff and then um it just sort of worked out because i um was underloaded towards the end you have to do had to do a, like a project at the end um like a thesis um and i only needed that to go so i was underloaded and i thought teaching was one of my options when i was in high school so i thought well i might do a graduate diploma in that um to fill in the gap uh which i applied for and they agreed to you know allow me to be overloaded so i started my teaching journey doing spending a year doing my graduate diploma and just really really got excited and fell in love with teaching and found that was the thing i wanted to do um and then when i graduated um I moved out of Perth a bit um to a school about an hour out of Perth um and I got to work with a teacher there who was very respected at the time he was um doing some amazing stuff with things like MSW logo um making getting you know building robotic turtles um using dancing ro- robots and you know we would pull apart old hard drives and CD ROMs take all the stepper motors out and then like utilize that to you know interface with our um boards that he'd designed um and then um he grabbed the NXT Lego bricks when they first came out and I think we were one of the first schools to even be using that with students which was just fantastic when that came out that was a I think a huge development in that area so I suppose that really set me on my journey it was it was the background I had at uni but then like having that exposure to a teacher that was also excited by this stuff and um I just kept that going wherever like I moved to and felt like it was you know an important skill to have um and I and I've always been a believer that you know it's not just I suppose like writing raw code or um not necessarily making an app I do love that idea of like that that whole interfacing with other devices and you know your inputs and outputs i think that's that's a really cool thing to do um with the students so it sounds like the really the maker aspect of coding like so, similar to what mike yakobovsky does in um texas where the coding is almost a means to an end but you really like to build stuff is that accurate yeah i i, I really feel like that's the sense that yeah that I want to do and and even with the app designs that I want to do with students like it's I want to use like whatever they design as a tool to help you know something else um you know like I'm I'm excited about um every time they come with an app design to me I'm like can we get the watch working you know the Apple Watch working with that or you know that's my hope we haven't got that far yet but it's it's always that thing is it's not just you know like making a game or um you know you know making a database type app it's you know like just uh you know I want to do something else other than that um which I think's really cool I love all the internet of things that idea um and yeah I think that's I think that's pretty exciting have you connected any internet of things to any swift playground or anything no and it's definitely somewhere I want to go um like I I certainly think that's I think my 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 level at swift in um needs to be improved a bit in understanding a couple of things before i can get to that point but certainly that's where i'm i'm heading in my own journey um 
like I said, with, with the fact that we're getting such younger students learning the basics of coding um, at an early age, I know that when I get them in five years' time, that's you know when we can start really hitting hard on that sort of stuff. So, no, I haven't done Internet of Things stuff, but I do want to. Um, that would be very cool. I'm sure there's probably some things out there. I know that mm. it's with the latest Swift Playgrounds update, they have all of the devices you connect, like Sphero, Spark Plus, which uh, we have in my district, and you can connect the, I, I, I think, um, the Lego bricks, which you mentioned, which are really yeah. popular, yeah, and some Arduinos. Um, so before that, last year, we had, the in my district, we had the Sphero Sparks, and I went to... Uh, Sphero's website and they actually had a playground that I could download and to my Mac and then I put it on my iPad so we were using those that way you know for you or anybody else who's thinking about that I I would just do a DuckDuckGo search or a Google search mm. for those things and go to those websites to see if there you can do that because I I have not gotten there yet but I'm interested in writing a playground to mess with my hue bulbs Oh, that would be cool. It could be done. <laughs> because the Swift Playgrounds app does have full access to the full Swift library. So yeah. and that includes core Bluetooth. Yeah, no, it's it's all that's it's so exciting what's there and um yeah, definitely that's something I need to look into. And I think one of the issues I'm I'm struggling with and is is that thing I said I've got limited access to iPads and um what Swift Playgrounds is doing on iOS is just like it's there's like such a big gap between that and Xcode and what's happening on the Mac. It's um, from my perspective is a little frustrating because I I see this stuff on on the what what like what we can do on an iPad and I and I can't just walk into the classroom and start doing that without you know um, trying to source iPads and um, things like that. So yeah, that's play, plaguing me a bit with those sorts of things. And that's because you're BYOD in your district? Uh, yeah, so the school, yeah, because we've decided to go MacBook Air, which we still think um, at this stage, well, that's our recommended. We're not saying, like I said, we, I'm very, you know, we have pros in here and stuff, uh, MacBook Pros. Um, but also, I mean, I've got one of my girls in my class who does have um, a, a Surface tablet, um, so she can do most things. But like I've just set her up now, we've we've got a spare MacBook Pro um, that I've given her, so she can borrow that. But we're lucky in our school that um, you know we've we've got some of those spare resources. Um, but yeah, even then, it's difficult. Um, you know, sometimes we've given a bit of flexibility on devices, but it's also caused um, difficulties in other ways and. Um, we're still not feeling, um, well, I mean, it may change with iOS 11, but, um, you know, that the iPad um, isn't what we want in our classroom at this point. I like what Plague Swift Playgrounds is doing, but I can't necessarily have that like, nice, easy interface on, on the Mac. Well, actually, you can. Oh, okay. Because, yeah, <laughs> right, because... Uh, right, Anything you can do on the Swift Playgrounds on iPad, right? The the intro to app development with Swift is all in Playgrounds. Oh. So, and on the Mac has Bluetooth. So, um, I know when I initially authored my Swift Playgrounds iTunes U course, yeah, I did I it on my Mac. I knew you could do that side. So, you can actually run the Playground as well inside my Xcode. Yes, you should be able to. Oh. I don't know how, how it would be to get it there. 
Um, well, could I suppose you could, you could down, export. download it to your iPad and then just airdrop it or something yeah. to your Mac. Yeah, no, that should or work. Because I've airdropped Playgrounds to my Mac to edit them before when I've been playing with it. So um, Daniel showed me how to do that. So, um, oh, now you've set me excitement for the day. <laughs> <laughs> awesome i'm glad it's almost I like a group, a group therapy time. session <laughs> but you could also then if worse comes to worse if you have a playground on your ipad um you could also try and just copy and paste that into a yes, text editor and see what it does and then send yeah, yeah and then send that over to your playgrounds on your Mac. since you guys yeah having a mac is definitely not a hindrance yeah to teach i think coding. i tried it because when the parrot parrot brought out an early playground i think and i remember copying that to my mac but um, I can't. Maybe I didn't get the Bluetooth set up nicely enough. Um, but I definitely remember doing that. So I remember it being available. All right, you've given me something to look into. I'll have to uh, experiment and get back. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and let me know how it goes in the Slack channel. Yeah, yeah, I will. I will. Yeah. All right. What is your favorite part part of teaching computer science and coding? Um, I suppose um, just seeing that. I mean, I suppose for years it's been in the only place that um, the students have been able to experience, you know, like I suppose setting challenges and trying to solve it themselves. I always think, you know, like a code can solve so many problems. Um, but also I just love seeing like the excitement that it brings when they solve that problem. I think sometimes, um, and you probably felt it too, you know, when you're troubleshooting a piece of code and it's not working and, you know, like you're able to fix it yourself is a huge, like that personal win. And I like to see that happen in the students. And, you know, even if it's just something simple, like, like you say, like having spheros and getting them to do what they want it to do and then going, oh, it's not working and then try and fix it. And just so that excitement at, at that level, um, you know, I think is, is one of the best parts about it. Um, uh, and, I, and I really do think that... Um, you know, we're in a changing environment and I, I really think that it's a skill that lots of these students are going to have to have in the future to to uh, get by in life a bit. Um, so I'm excited about helping them do that and um, and what they're possibly going to be able to create. Yeah. I, I've definitely seen that when kids figure things out. I, our students in my class, when they've, uh, when they, especially when they were working with their own playgrounds and they'd figure something out, whether it was a problem before, you know, they jump up and want to high five me or high five one yeah. of the other students yeah. or fist bump. So that's to see their excitement when they figure something out because they're really in the U.S. Um, we call that they're constructing their own knowledge. We call that the constructivist method, yes. creating their own knowledge. Yeah, and that yeah. really is. That's really powerful. Kids come to my school district. I'm in a career tech high school. Yeah. And they come to our school to want to learn by making projects and working with their hands and doing those things because they don't want to sit in a regular uh, regular school all day. So no. yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying. I see that all the time in my classroom. And I love it. Um, I have a girl that I teach at the moment and she's so excited by this stuff. And sometimes I'll be sitting there and I'll look at her and I can tell she's she's stuck. And I'll say, and I'll just say, do you need some help? And she's like, no, no, I want to solve it myself. Leave me alone. And you just, you just kind of look at her and just wait for it. And then all of a sudden, she's like, I've got it, I've got it. And there's just that massive excitement. Um, and I just love that that they're like, she's not, she wants to solve it herself, um, which is very cool. I think um, I love, I love the students solving problems themselves. 
we just had WWDC, mm-hmm. and um, you and Dr. Outram were nice enough to give me... I was on the way to the airport uh, and then sitting yeah. in the airport because I was heading to Austin. So you guys were nice enough to keep me updated as I was going along uh, with what was happening at, in, this, in the keynote. Um, what are your impressions of iOS 11 and or any of the Swift updates? Um, yeah, it was great. Um, I had to get up uh, before one o'clock, just before one o'clock my time, but um, it was great to have um, Nick there, like talking away as well. That's the first time I've had a real person to talk to at that time of the day over here in Perth. So um, going through the keynote was really exciting, and seeing it from his perspective and what we were excited about was really good. It was such a good keynote, full of stuff from Apple. So that was really good. Um, I think one of the things I really liked seeing was, um, well, from the iOS perspective, just like I was saying before, the functionality it's going to add to the iPad is going to be something that, you know, I think, like I went to back to my school the next day and was basically saying, you know, like I think we seriously need to start, you know, like looking at this device um, into the future and I think that's something that will, you know, definitely happen. Um, I, I was really excited by the AR kit stuff um, and that that was something that I thought you know I'm really into that idea um, I actually my thesis at university was on um, back then I was calling it always calling it uh, virtual environment so I was playing with uh, Vermal which was like VRML which um, basically let you use type QuickTime VR type stuff and then place code over the top so that you could have your, do you remember QuickTime VR where you took your 360 photos and rotated around and is that something you've experienced? Have you seen, remember seeing those? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I do. So you could code nice. over the top. So I'm, I'm always interested in this sort of thing. So ARKit was quite exciting and I even showed my Mechatronics class ARKit last week and they were very excited by it, like the possibilities of that. So that was definitely something um that i think you know is exciting from a school perspective um and and i think i really like how um a lot of the other tech companies are um they're focused on like extra hardware where where ar kit's just going to work pretty much on you know current iphones and, and ipads which um you know, there's a lot of them around and we'll get more. So it's, you know, it's not like an add-on cost. So for schools, that's always a good thing um, to not have to, you know, like it's great to say, hey, let's do a VR excursion in our room or something. Yes, you need to go and buy special glasses to do that. So um, I like that we can do that. Um, But, yeah, so I think it went well. And I like you mentioned before, the Swift Playgrounds editions were really, really good to see as well. uh, so no, it's it's going well. Did you look at any of the updates for Swift Four? You can actually not a lot of them are surprises. You can see the roadmap on Swift.org and Swift Evolution. Yeah, I, um, did you get a look at any of those? I think I skimmed over them, but I didn't really get a chance to actually watch. I was more looking through. Um, I was trying to get some um, looking into design work in Xcode and some of the changes there. Um, I'd love to say uh, Xcode 9. I haven't managed to get myself a copy yet, but because um, apparently that's supposed to be going along well. Um, but no, no, I didn't actually get to see some of the roadmap stuff. 
Um, so I'm really excited about strings. Uh, mm-hmm. In Swift 4, they've uh, changed it back to the way it was before Swift 2 so that uh, strings are collections again. Uh. So it removes the need for uh, characters on array. Oh, that's uh, good. Characters array on a string. Yeah. And now you can iter- iterate directly over a string object. Oh, so that'll that's be, good. Yeah. So uh, string now gets all the functionality and bells and whistles from sequence and collections automatically. So that'll be that'll be nice for us to be able to write a code that's a little more uh, compact. Um, what I'm going to do uh, there, I, I was listening to Swift Unwrapped. Yeah. And they referenced uh, a blog post by a gentleman named Ole Begman. Mm-hmm. And he built a playground for what's new in Swift 4. So I'm going to go ahead and put that in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. And you can check out all the new things in Swift 4 that right in the great. playground. Yeah. Yeah. And it, he talks through, you have to download the Swift 4 snapshot, yep. snapshot from... So and then change that, but it's all in his blog post how to do that. So if you're really interested mm. in getting a nice clean look at what's new in Swift Four and a playground, I'll Got put it. a link in the show notes to Ole's blog post. It was fantastic. Thanks. So I downloaded, started messing around with it. Some nice things in there. Yeah. One sided ranges. Yeah. Which is nice. So you don't have to have an endpoint. They can go on uh, infinitely. Cool. Some encoding and decoding things, generic subscripts. And but strings, I do a lot with strings mm. with my students, so that'll that'll be interesting. Yeah, I think that's what, when I was playing with Python with my students, I loved what Python did with strings, um, and I noticed there was there was a difference there. So that'll be good. Yeah, I'm ex- I'm excited about that. Yeah. So you've talked about that you're mostly that you're so you have Max. So you've done the intro to app development with Swift. Which what'd you think about that? What did you like or? But yeah, no, I found that really good. That's the iPad one, isn't it? I always get their names mixed up. It's really good. No, this is that's the this is the Mac one that does oh. all that does all Swift Playgrounds intro yes. app development. Yes, Swift. yeah, yeah. No, that's cool. Um, yeah, no. Um, so we we work through that. I don't think they got to the final. You know where you do the app, and I found that really good. Um, mm-hmm. And I started on that. I think after starting listening to the show. Because I was using the iPads and wasn't getting the same. I thought it's better if they can get it happening on their device. Because I, I still, I'm still encouraging that idea where the students can actually, um, you know, like go home and keep working on this stuff. And you know, like if if we're using shared iPads, that makes that hard. So I definitely I started using that and I found that really good um, and and a great place to start. So um, the students did really well on that and enjoyed doing that. Um, so that, yeah, that, 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 that's quite a good course and really well, I I think they're all really well put together. I think Apple's done a great job with these courses and the way they're written and and stuff. Um, the, the only thing I find is just that longevity of like, like reading and, and, and going through, um, I, I, I think in some ways they, I'm, I'm, like respond more to some movies and stuff, which I try and supplement where I can on that sort of stuff too. I agree with you that the courses are excellent. I, 
Fraser Spears in episode eight had a great quote. He said, they're so well laid out that it, that would be an accomplishment for somebody to mess it up. Yeah. If you just follow what, what yeah. Apple, which I and thought I, was, and I think, was very well said and very funny. Yeah. And I think it was interesting listening to Fraser because like, you know, the, he spoke a lot about having, you know, like important to have a computer science teacher teach coding, but you know, like we're super struggling with that here right now. Um, you know, having having computer science teachers, um, but certainly I could feel like, uh, and I think it was said in that show that you know, like if if I gave one of my other teachers that teaches um, IT but not you know necessarily coder that they could get the girls to go through that quite comfortably and have success without you know having huge amounts of knowledge. So you know, and that's a pretty tough feat to get through. So they've done a good job. Yeah, I I really find the resources helpful even as someone who has coded before mm. and written apps. So I, I find the, them helpful and I've referred to them because, you know, at Swift, I'm learning with my students. I mean, I know, I think I know a little bit more, but there's always something new you can pick up and the resources are so good that I, I find them helpful. And since we're talking about resources, I know from the Slack channel, you've taken a look at the new app development with Swift course for high school and community colleges. And what do you think? Yeah, it's good. Um, I'm two chapters in myself. Um, it's it's actually quite well from my perspective. I'm, I'm finding finding it challenging. It's um, which is good. Um, it's definitely a step up. And 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 the interesting thing is, I like it. Follows that teaching pattern where you know, like you you revise what you've done before. So there's in some ways there. There isn't a huge assumption that you've, you know, you're an expert in this, some of these things. So the first chapter is, you know, going over some of the things that have been discussed before, even right, you know, down to the Swift um, playgrounds, you know, like the um, Learn to Code 1 and 2 um, on the iPad, like, you know, you're covering the same concepts, which, you know, as teachers, we do that all the time, have that revision. Um, and then it just goes from there. So... Definitely the first chapter, my students, the two that I picked, oh, actually one, the main one I picked out, she managed to get through that chapter. Um, we're actually working on a um, competition at the moment that's making it hard to get through the content. We're trying to um, get some design work done rather than real coding. But um, so she got through that and then the next chapter was, it definitely did step it up a lot. Um, and... Um, moving into I'm pretty sure there was all like classes and um doing structs and things like that so that's it definitely did jump up a notch in difficulty level um so whether um my age group's a bit um this will find it quite challenging I think it'd be interesting to see how we go and how much extra support I'm going to need to give to get through that that section but certainly I was thinking you know realistically from a um I, I think you say like, is it college is your um, higher or just above high school? Is that right? Um, and for us, it'd be like year 11 and 12, our uh, 16, 17, 18 year olds. I think there's a pretty good solid course there to, to be taught. Um, it, it's really good. Yes. It, the, the way the scope and sequence is meant, you know, so middle school, your year nine, I think you called it. Um, yeah, is would be at Swift Playgrounds on the iPad, and yeah. then the intro to app development with Swift would be 
um, what we would call ninth and tenth grade, so anywhere from yeah. fourteen to sixteen year olds. Yeah, and then yeah. this yeah. course is meant for ele- specifically, you know, eleventh and twelfth, which is what I teach. Yeah. So yeah. my students have a lot of them come to our school with no coding experience. So yeah. our eleventh grade, which would be about seventeen year old, next year they will do Swift playgrounds on their iPads for half for a semester. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to do the intro to app development with Swift for a semester, the second semester, and the seniors are going to do the app development with Swift. And it is meant for. Uh, high schools, and then we have something in the U.S. called community college. Students can get a two-year associate's degree. Yeah. So they're gonna. They that this was written for that. The two gentlemen who wrote the intro, the app development with Swift curriculum, the new one for high school and community college, they both ran a code camp previously before going to work for Apple. So they wow. know they really have a history of teaching, and it it really reflects in the curriculum. And what I really really like, besides the fact that they start and having kids um, have a show that you know you can run Swift in the REPL is that they in each chapter they break down the swift skills so the language skills which are done in a swift playground which i think is the perfect environment since it's not cluttered up by xcode mm-hmm. in order to learn some of the language skills and then they go into the app development and xcode skills so i thought that was excellent how yeah. they did that yeah yeah no definitely it's it's really really well laid out and um yeah i i I'm enjoying doing it myself and learning so much, and I can't wait for the girls to do it too. But definitely, um, if I was, if there was a year eleven and twelve course here that you know fitted it, um, our curriculum's in change, like I said in Australia. But um, you know, like I, I, that would be something I would definitely be looking at doing. It's such a good course. So you mentioned previously that you also did some things in Python. Python so. Yeah. How does Swift compare to either Python or any other language? And you you said you did some um, Android stuff, so Java. So how does Swift compare to those other languages that you've worked with? Yeah, when we did the Android stuff, we were using um, Android um, app developer. Android the, Studio? Yeah, the MIT app inventor. Um, oh, no, the MIT app inventor, not the Android Studio. So we didn't actually do much JavaScript. We were doing very drag-and-drop um, stuff. Um, it, it, it works and it got what we needed done. Um, we, like I said, we enter a competition every year and it's a very short time frame to, um, get, get something happening. And that worked very well for it because they were able to basically get a functioning app that wasn't necessarily pretty, but, um, it worked, um, using, like I say, drag and drop type tools, um, which, you know, just, it helped that we could do that and got it on Android working fine. Um, the Python stuff I've been working on, um, some of it was just activities that we used on, um, oh, was it code, code.org? One of those, you know, like websites that you can enroll students into and monitor their progress um, and go through that. So that, that was just something that we tried out to do, I think, just to see what we could do with Python um, and then I've been using it this year with Raspberry Pis. The students have been using Python to do that. So um, it's it's really interesting because I, I think in the situation of schools here, there was especially when uh, there was a period over I would say about ten years where 
um, there was a drive in schools that once students had computers, you kind of didn't have to teach IT anymore. And, um, you know, like I think there was a big gap in what we could, you know, get away with teaching students with IT. Um, and I think we moved a lot to, you know, like more like multimedia and Photoshop editing. And the hardest code we got to was um, was either HTML or uh, drag and drop you know, like using Scratch or something. So I haven't had the opportunity to really, until like now, like now it's getting serious again that we can actually do some of this like real coding as I like to think of it. So um, I don't know what the experience has been like in America but um, and other countries, but that's certainly how I feel it's been here. So coding has been one of those subjects that you only teach in year 11 and 12. So for the, you know, the students who are heading off to university and, um, there wasn't a drive be beneath that. So, so anyway, but getting back to <laughs> how they compare, I, I mean, it was interesting listening to Fraser because he actually picked up on um, something that I was thinking with Python um, that, uh, you know, like there is a push in our schools to use Python and I think that's, especially in Australia, it's come from what the UK's done. But um, no one can specifically necessarily say why, you know, Python was the right language to use in schools it just i think it just came to be but uh, personally i find python not necessarily a good teaching language for coding um just from that fact that it's i mean the, the to me it's not as clear in what you're doing um like i like the fact that I mean, the Swift has like begin and end statements and, you know, like the curly bracket sort of things and, and Python's just using, you know, tabs, which I'm not sure necessarily explains why you're doing, you know, what you're doing. Um, uh, but, that's just, but that's just my opinion, I suppose. But I certainly feel like Swift is more structured and easy to read and, um, and easy to follow. So some of my students who are doing the coding class in Swift are doing the other class and I think they find Python a lot harder to understand what they're actually doing um, you know why is this working because it feels a lot more like Python's written for coders not for beginners I feel hmm. that's an interesting that's an interesting thought um, in the US it Java is the is what they use for the okay. AP computer science yeah, course. Yeah. So Swift is still an up and coming and we're, you know, there are people who are advocating for Swift to become yeah. a much more prevalent teaching language because it is, it's, it, as you said, it's very readable. It's, it's very expressive language mm. and it's easy for, for students to pick up. Like my students who have never coded before, like, Oh, okay, I can do this. Looks yeah. like English. Yes. I've written English for a while. I, I can, I can definitely I can do this. Yeah. So I, I find that a great feature of the language. Yeah. What has been most surprising to you when you have been teaching Swift? Um, I suppose just that thing, how quickly they're picking it up and, and working through the problems. It's, um, it's removed, you know, some of that complexity that, you know, I used to have. I, I, I'm finding that they're just enjoying it um, so much and, and, and yeah, and just picking it up really, really quickly, um, whether it's just because, you know, just from years of using computers more than um, students in the past, but I certainly find that, um, I suppose from the other's perspective too, is um, 
I, I really, I, I'm, in, I suppose not. My, yeah, surprise is the word. I'm surprised how Apple, much Apple has got behind it in that educational sense. Like they really do seem committed to um, getting this to work and um, going back to your catchphrase to have swift world domination. So. Um, yeah, that I th I think that's actually because it could have been one of those products that Apple like they release the language and just let it go, but their that commitment's pretty impressive, I think, and surprising um, in some ways. Yeah, I, thank you. The Swift World domination, uh, <laughs> I really can't take credit for. That's oh yeah, yeah, actually, I know. Uh, yeah, I, I should say that it's an internal Apple thing. I think. Yeah, um, yeah. Chris Latner mentioned it. Catchphrase. So, um, but yeah, no. Oh. Um, yeah, no, and, and I think, like, I mean, Objective-C was there before in iOS, like, it's, you know, for years, but they didn't put any effort into teaching that. Um, like, they've certainly shown a different commitment to Swift, haven't they? Yeah, I I, I have my own theories, and this is purely speculative, mm. but I, I feel like one of the main reasons for the development of the language and coming up with a new language was to have one that is more teachable and more readable and you can start students in it younger because then you have more people developing for your platforms if they really enjoy your language. And if you have more people developing for your platforms, then your platforms are going to thrive more. And then since you make the hardware, you can sell more hardware. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's... It makes sense. <laughs> it's a good business model, I it think. It is. It is a very good business model. Um, yeah, and I, and I think um, I've found um, just in that fact that you can walk into a classroom and say, we are writing an Apple, um, uh, uh, we, we're going to use a language that lets you create stuff for an iPhone um, is exciting too. I think, um, you know, like the, there is the Apple... Um, like buzz that the, that's what the students want to develop for um well definitely my yeah, school except for <laughs> yeah, apple has that cachet um except for i do have some students who are fandroids and <laughs> poo poo it but i, I uh, said to that i said to some of them i said you mean to tell me yeah. that if apple came to you and offered you a job you wouldn't take their money because you don't <laughs> like their stuff well yes and i said well okay well yeah. i hear you know what you call those people who do stuff like that? They yeah. said, no. I said, you call them unemployed. That's what you call them. <laughs> People who turn down jobs. So so you've been teaching Swift since 2015. Yeah. If, a, if there's a teacher out there listening to, to this or a school administrator and they want to start teaching coding uh, and or programming with Swift, what suggestions would you give them? Yeah, so I think a great place to start would be to get yourself like a copy of Swift Playgrounds on an iPad and actually give it a go. Um, I think it's, you know, like just to see it and try it yourself, I think you'll be surprised um, at how simple it is to get into. And, and I think it might start that thinking process of, you know, how you can actually apply it and what year groups you might use it with. Um, I, I certainly think that um, there's so much resources available, especially from Apple and what you can do. Um, I suppose it's just deciding how to fit it in and how to use it with um, in your school. Um, yeah, I, I, I certainly think that's the way to go. All right. That's good. That's the suggestion I always tend to give to teachers. They're like, well, I want to learn Swift. Okay, download Swift just Playgrounds and just go. Yeah. Yep. Get the iTunes U course, get the books, and just go through it. You'll yeah. learn. 
and I and I I'm, in my role in 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 helping teachers use technology, it's um, you know like sometimes you just see those teachers and you, they just say, "How do I do this?" I say, "Here, look, give this a go." Um, and have a look and when they come back at you and go oh this is so easy I can do this like just <laughs> just from that teacher perspective of just getting excited that they're they're able to do it because I think especially with coding I think a lot of teachers um, you know like there's that fear that I don't get coding like it just where like I think there is that block in saying I can do this and you just need to get them over it um, to say it's really Especially the simple level programming is not is not that hard, and that's what most um, students will you know need to be exposed to. And there's always the assumption that it's either it's it's math or science people who are only good at coding, which I had that myth. Um, I actually thought it too, but um, I was recently at um, a couple of years ago. I went to uh, the Jamf Nation User Conference, and they're talking about how some of the best coders are actually artists and musicians wow. because they're very creative mm -hmm. and I really see that and they're able to see the big picture. And one of the problems I have when I'm coding is I tend to be too narrow in my focus and people who are language people and artists and musicians don't have that. They can see the big picture. Yeah, no, so. for sure. I, I definitely think it's, it, it is important something that anyone can tap into. Um, we've been doing lots of work here with um, trying to create links between our school and universities and definitely the universities are coming back saying um, computer science as a, as a, you know, like a double degree is what a lot of people are looking at doing these days. So uh, um, one of the students that's been helping us is from a, a musical background so she's got a music degree and now is studying computer science. Um, and she just says, you know, like having that different way of thinking is really, really helping her with the course and um, and helping others. So, no, for sure. I, I know that the gentleman who's in charge of the Swift Playgrounds team at Apple mm. was initially a music major in college. There you go. He's uh, <laughs> a, Brit a British a British gentleman who was a music major and switched to computer science because of the better revenue stream yep. in the vacation. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, that's that's like what Fraser said in the last episode. What do you call a teacher who can code? An ex-teacher? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's some truth to that too. I know from Slack that you like to listen to podcasts and I, I want this podcast to be also a resource for other people mm. to help find other podcasts that might help them. What are your favorite podcasts? Um, I, I, I stick to the ones that you like as, as uh, also I'm an ATP fan and like uh, connected and, and some of those relay shows. Um, the, um, I think Fraser mentioned as well. I'm a big Cortex fan. I spend a lot of time thinking about how to do stuff better. Um, my wife thinks I actually spend more time thinking about how to do stuff better than actually getting stuff done. So that I think that's funny. Um, I like. I don't think it's been mentioned before, but um, maybe it's a given. But the talk show by John Gruber, I really like listening to that. Um, I think he looks at stuff well. Um, Hello Internet, which is the CGP Gray and Brady Haran podcast. Have you listened to that one? Yes, yes. and I actually use that with um, when I've been at iPad Palooza the last couple of years. Um, Kathy Hunt 
and then this year with uh, Brett Salakis, who are both uh, Aussies. Yeah. Uh, they asked, they, they're like, oh, well, where is that? I'm like, oh, that's so far away. That's beyond the black stump. <laughs> and uh, Kathy, I was waiting for Kathy to react, and she just looked at me, and she said, what, she wants some street cred? I'm like, yes. I just used an Aussie term there, and you didn't even bat an eye. And so I got that from Hello Internet and uh, from yeah. Brady being from Adelaide. And uh, using that term, yes. So yeah. I enjoy, yes, I enjoy that one very much. I really like the talk show. Yeah, uh, there was just a great episode on the most recent one talking yes. about JSON feed. That yeah. was very good. Yeah, and I was fortunate enough the last couple of years to go to WWC and I was able to see the talk show live. Yeah, oh. so that that was that was awesome. And even um, um, uh, John had the. Um Oh, is it the head of the environment? I can't remember her name. Um, uh, Apple. Lisa Jackson. Yeah, that was such a good, like, just to get that insight of, you know, how they're thinking. And I love sharing some of that stuff that, you know, seems hidden amongst the Apple community, like the normal community that you can actually say, hey, this is what, you know, is happening at Apple and and stuff. Um, I listened to another show that I like. It's called Science Versus. Have you heard of that? Um, no, no. no I, I came from. Check that out. There was a girl from Australia. I think she was actually born in America, but she she started a show here and then went over to America. But it's it's really interesting little show by I think it's in Gimlet Media. That's the source. But they um, it's science versus things, so that's quite interesting. So they take a topical subject. Say um, I'm trying to think of one that's not con- too controversial, but it could be say uh, gun control, and then they. Um, you know, like look at all the facts that they can find and it's done in quite a fun way. But I think that's that's a good one, you know, for your scientists out there to have a bit of fun with looking at like those topical issues. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. All right, Dave, uh, where can people find you oh. and or your work online? Uh, as you identified, I'm Super Davey as many places as I can be. So on Twitter, I'm at Super Davey. Um, and then um, I have a website that's superdavy.com, um, which I put different pieces up there uh, every now and again when I get a minute. Um, sometimes I can't believe some of these educators how much work they do outside of work. Um, so you share some stuff, which is great. But um, yeah. And you do that in addition to your marathoning. I saw that you just <laughs> did the Perth Marathon. Was it three hours and 21 minutes? Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, no, that was good fun. That was two days ago. So I'm enjoying I've had I've had two days of not running, so that's quite exciting. Um, but no, it was a beautiful day. Very lucky because we, even though we're actually technically, in the middle of the winter it was it was beautiful sunshine and um, about 20 degrees celsius so um it was really really nice and yeah no marathon running takes up a lot of my time um it's it's good fun though i love it because i get to have even though i do monitor as i run obviously how fast i'm going but i it's kind of my break from technology as such and um even though I listen to podcasts too. Oh, well. <laughs> Gosh, yeah, that's good fun. I, I served in the United States Marine Corps, and oh. I don't even like to drive 26 miles. Let alone <laughs> oh, it's funny yeah. how, yeah, yeah, I would never imagine it 10 years ago that I could do that. But, um, yeah, reach, yeah, it's, it does take hard work, though. All right. Well, David, thank you so much for joining us on the show. I really appreciate you spending some time uh, out of your morning. So, um Please let me know maybe later how Tuesday is since you're a day ahead of us. Um, 
<laughs> if you are enjoying the show, please leave us a review in an Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to join David and I in the Slack channel, there'll be a link in the show notes where you can contact me to join us in our Swift Teacher Slack channel. So, David, thank you very much. All right, thank you. Time to get Swifty. Swifty.